0: Sports Radio, 104.3 The Fan. Every Saturday morning, it's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Terry takes you inside the outdoors. You know, hunting, fishing, camping. It's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Now, here's
1: Terry. All right, we're back, and let's go right to the phones. And joining us, as he does every week at 10 o'clock, is Nate Zielinski. Good morning, Nate.
2: Good morning, Terry. How are you today?
1: I'm doing well. And, uh, you know, we were, it seemed like just a week ago we were talking that hunting season's a way off and you need to get prepared. And now the first season is knocking on the door.
2: I'll tell you, next Saturday, I believe, is the 15th opening pronghorn for archery. Uh, you know, and honestly, that has become one of the more or most popular hunts out there. You know, uh, as a Colorado resident and you're know, hunting my entire life. Um, You know, it was elk and deer and obviously still one of the huge seasons out there. But, you know, you used to be able to get an over-the-counter archery pronghorn tag for about every unit. And since then, you know, they've had to put uh, a lot of units into a draw result and uh, it's a very popular uh hunt you know here in colorado with that being said it starts next weekend um and there is there's still a ton of opportunity for over-the-counter hunts and uh whether you want to believe it or not or hesitant uh hunting season is here it is upon us it is go time uh so and i'm excited about that obviously i try to take advantage of of every hunting opportunity possible in the state. Uh, I mean, from, from, you know, birds, a small game, to big game. Uh, So I'm very excited uh, as we proceed here into the hunting season.
1: Yeah. And, you know, and and we, we preach all year long that you have to not just get ready for hunting, but stay ready, whether you're hunting archery or firearms, be familiar with them, be able to shoot, be confident, know your, your limitations, what kind of shot, you can take and what's ethical for you and 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 then do your scouting which will help your success but there's there's a lot going on there's scouting you have to have your gear ready and how about taking care of the meat this hot weather with that early uh early pronghorn season you have to really take precautions with the meat don't you
2: Absolutely, you know, and that's a, that was at least what we're going to start today's topic of hunting with. Um, and there's a lot of changes going forth. Um, so we want to talk about uh, a lot of these different opportunities um, and opportunities and more so just having a game plan. So this is on everything from the animal side to the processing of the game side. Um, obviously, I think on, on a year like this, it, it's, an, it's a year like we've never seen before. We'll call it that. Um, obviously, you know, we just have some crazy things happening just in the world. It's just kind of different times, uh, but we hope everybody is safe and hope everybody is ha- making the most of them and having them, you know the, the best year they possibly can. Um, but with that, we are number one anticipating more hunters in the field than we've ever had you know I, I, we were something like a hundred thousand more applicants on big game licenses so i think it's going to be a very busy hunting season as far as more people in the field which um, you know some people are, are hesitant about me personally as an outdoorsman i love to see it thrive i love to see the industry do well and i love to see people that have never hunted before and you know maybe we were even skeptical or or thought poorly about it are now getting in the field for you know the opportunity of organic meat and a different lifestyle and almost a heritage um so i'm excited to see the increase in hunters just because again i think it's uh it's something the world needs. We need to be brought back to that heritage of hunting and organic meat and the hunting gathering style. Um, so I'm really excited to see the increase of hunters. Um, but with that, I think you need to be prepared for the upcoming hunting season. So number one, you know, knowing how to handle it, especially a prong when it's 100 degrees. Um, you know, I know a lot of people that carry coolers with them, but not ice. And all you know, they're like, oh, when we kill one or we harvest one, you know, that's when we'll go to a gas station or find a store and we'll get ice. But a lot of times, you know, we're a half hour, hour, two hours, um, you know, from the nearest place where we can get ice, uh, let alone if they do have ice, if it's, you know, in a hot commodity type thing. Um, And most importantly, I want to put my pronghorns on ice literally the second they hit the ground. So the second that pronghorn is is on the ground, I've created that harvest, um, obviously fill out my tag. And then, you know, sometimes I spend, you know, a long while taking photos and reminiscing on the hunt and telling the story to my buddies. But with pronghorn, I kind of zip through the photos, zip through the storytelling, um, and I want to get the hide off of that animal. I want to get that meat in a cool situation to make the most of it. Pronghorn is one of those, those meat delicacies that you talk to people that they either love or they don't necessarily absolutely cherish. A lot of people I talk to about program hunting, they're like, oh, man, it makes great jerky. It makes great sticks. And I'm like, man, are you not eating the, the steaks or anything else? They're like, no, I don't, I don't really like the flavor of the meat. I just turn it into jerky. Most of the time, the reason for that is because of that temperature change. So many people do not cool them off, and the quality of meat uh, versus letting an animal stay warm versus cooling off is drastic so being prepared for that hunt always carrying a cooler every morning filling that cooler with ice i don't care if it costs you a couple bucks having ice with you on every day of that hunt to where you can cool that meat off immediately is absolutely a must and then as you go forth in it, you know, hey, do I gonna am I going to need taxidermy needs? Do I want to mount the pronghorn? Do I want to get a European mount? What am I going to do in regards to, to any taxidermy if that's the route you choose to do? Taxidermists are going to be busier this year than normal, so make sure you have a taxidermist lined up. If it's a new taxidermist, contact that taxidermist. Ask them what steps you can do as a hunter to make their life easier for the best mount possible. What can I do for them? How do you want me to bring this to you? How quickly do I want Want, you, does the tax members want this uh this game those type of things will be huge and most of all the game processing because that is absolutely going to change this year amongst other years. I was talking to our, our great friends down at Steve's Meat Market um, and they are planning on on having absolutely the busiest year possible and things are changing. Even at Steve's Meat Market, which is probably the biggest you know wild game processor in the state, um, it is by reservation only this year. So you can't just show up like you used to do. Uh, you are now getting online or calling. Reservations start at midnight for that day um, and you are making a reservation to, for when you can come in again just going by by all the laws and regulations set forth uh, by covid so so again they're making sure that everything is safe they're looking out for themselves as well as you the consumer coming in so number one it's under reservation only Number two a lot of, of meat processing areas are not accepting wild game this year. And I would say that this is probably a 50% of them are not doing so. There's a lot of meat packing plants that have shut down due to COVID. So there's a lot of smaller meat processors that are now processing cattle. Um, And they're kind of more into the beef and hog area of of the spectrum of meat processing. And they're no longer taking wild game. Um, I've kind of checked this out checked on the rumors, uh, and it is very much the case. So if you've gone to a meat processor for the past 10, 15 years, I highly suggest that you call them, number one, Make sure that they're processing wild game. Number two, ask them the protocols. You know, how how do I get my wild game into you? Do I make reservations? What are the steps I need to take? Um, Because, again, by calling around multiple sources, um, I think that's going to be a very big change this year that I think a lot of people are not going to anticipate. Um, So really, on all aspects, do some call-aheads. Be more prepared this year than you ever have been. It's going to make sure that you have a far better hunt um, in all aspects.
1: Now, if I'm looking to go out for pronghorn next weekend, archery, uh, is there some last minute scouting tips you can give me? What should I be looking for to finish planning my hunt?
2: Absolutely. You know, so the biggest thing that I look for, um, obviously, you know, if you're on water holes, you're hoping that you've already located your water holes, you've already thought about the blind situation or how you're going to hunt that water. If you're a decoy person, hopefully your decoy is painted up, it's clean, it's ready to go. Um, But regardless, there's a lot of opportunities for hunting pronghorn. Again, so many guys are water and only water. So many people are decoys and only decoys. Some are spot and stock and only spot and stock, or hunting fence lines or crossing areas. Um, there's a lot of avenues. If I was a last-minute hunter, I didn't quite know what I would do. I would go and I would park on some pronghorn, and I would study them for multiple hours. Almost every animal that we wild game that we pursue you know, in the wild makes a flaw. And sometimes it's individual animal to individual animal, but every single animal makes a flaw through the course of their day. And you as a hunter are trying to take advantage of those flaws. And you're going to turn those flaws into opportunity to get close enough with archery equipment. So again, one of the flaws is drinking a lot. So again, if those pronghorn are hot, high heat, One of the flaws is having to go to water. So, hunting them on water is a key. If you're hunting animals that are in and around fence lines, you know, public to public, public to private, whatever, um, knowing those crossings, where they're going under fences, is an absolutely flaw that you can approach as a hunter to, to do that. If they are getting early stages of the rut, you know, they don't like other bucks around. That's going to be a decoy system that's a flaw of theirs that you can approach that way. So if I had not done previous scouting or I've done just minor scouting, if I don't have a plan yet, go out to the area you're hunting, find some pronghorn and just study them. Just watch what they do and think to yourself, how, if I had to go right now, how would I approach them? Because once you have the bow in your hand, you get excited and you make mistakes right now while you're calm analyze the situation and ask yourself if I had to sneak up there right now how am I going to do so what is an opportunity that that I can make to create success in the field and you'll start learning those little things if you learn those little nuances um, you can think about them plan for them prep for them all week and have a great success next weekend so uh, again get out there and study 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 and think about the opportunities that exist there
1: All right, I I couldn't agree more. I mean, this last bit of preparation, and we talk all the time. If you can't do all the preparation, we're not telling you not to go. Make sure you're competent with your firearm or your archer, your bow in this case, and know your limitations to take an ethical shot. But set your expectations to the amount of scouting you're able to do because it'll make a a huge, huge difference. I want to change gears on you real quick, Nate. There's a lot of people. We got some really good weather, trying to get in some fishing, fishing. fishing trips yet and a lot of people wait till fall but there's still some pretty good bites going on right now what are you seeing out there
2: you know absolutely we had our catch rate event at chatfield which we got to throw out there we encourage people to come try this out we had probably 25 new anglers try it last wednesday and i almost heard back and got emails and texts from almost all 25 anglers saying how much they enjoyed it and how you know there never been a tournament angler but how they enjoyed the camaraderie of this event but at that event guys were still having 30 to 50 fish walleye days at chatfield so that walleye bite is hot the bass bite was very hot throwing crankbait uh so so bass and walleye in the front range there's young bait fish everywhere you can stay in shallow water you can throw crankbaits you can throw jigs um and you're going to catch a lot of fish so those opportunities are huge now yeah you, you flip the table and go up to the high country my bike bite in the last Three to five days has absolutely probably doubled in, in success rate. Um, you know, we are finally getting those nighttime cooler temperatures, you know, to where the other day I wore gloves until almost nine o'clock. Um, you know, you get some of these colder mornings or, you know, you get to the lake and it's 38, 39 degrees. It's cooling off that surface, it, that surface water, and it's making it very much like the early stages of a fall bite. And those pike understand and know that. So the pike bite, uh, regardless, William as stagecoach, uh, you know, spinning 11 mile, all of those major pike fisheries uh, are turning on drastically. So I anticipate for the next week or two, um, we're really going to have some incredible pike fishing. So I think that's one of those things that uh, it's a shorter window than some. I would definitely try to take advantage and get out there and uh, have the opportunity of a lifetime. at some big pike here in Colorado.
1: What kind of presentations are you using for the pike?
2: That's the greatest thing, Terry. You know, we caught fish doing a little bit of everything. We have a great topwater bite early and late in the day when we throw topwater we're almost exclusively throwing buzz baits um like all fish having you know somewhat poor aim with with striking lures on the surface Pike tend to be probably the, the worst of all the species, um, and they tend to miss the bait fairly frequently. So, running a bait that runs straight as an arrow, not walking the dogs, it just gives more opportunity for those fish to miss. Running a bait that runs straight like a buzz bait uh, is going to increase that success. So, buzz baits early, but big bass style spinner baits are working very well. Um, if you get on the edge of some weed lines and some little bit slightly deeper water, jerk baits are fishing very well. Um, even big inline spinners, which which honestly, in the past 15, 20 years, has always been a very Midwest Canada presentation. We haven't seen it do very well for big fish here in Colorado. In the last two, three years, it's almost like these pikes found a, a newfound love for big inline bucktails. Um, and those have, have been starting to fish fairly well, more as the deeper water, deeper weed line presentation. Um, so a lot of opportunities, but, but bigger bait catered to or near the weeds is going to be your success rate for those big pikes.
1: All right, my friend, anything else you got going on you need to tell people about?
2: You know, the biggest thing I'd say is, is number one, stay safe uh, when you get out there. I think there's going to be a lot of new outdoorsmen, both fishing and hunting. If you see somebody new, uh, instead of getting frustrated with them, take the opportunity to, to talk to these new anglers, to these new hunters. If you see somebody doing something wrong, instead of, You know, throwing the red flag and immediately getting angry. Explain to them what's going on. You know, we see some guys using bait where they shouldn't be, and a lot of times, you know, we want to accuse of of doing wrong when in reality, say, hey, you know, did you know that that this is an artificial lake only? And it's unbelievable. People like, no, I had no idea. You know, it's my first time fishing. Um, So on both the fishing and the hunting side, I think let's uh let's all be very strong sportsmen uh, going into this fall. Let's anticipate there's being more use. Um, You know, instead of being a group of outdoorsmen that tend to to want to go against each other, I think we put a major focus on on helping each other, catering to each other, um, just to grow that outdoor sport and really be the leaders in the country uh, of a group of outdoorsmen that are united uh, to get along and have some great opportunities here in
3: college.
1: All right, my friend. As always, if people want more information, TightLineOutdoors.com, dot com, tightlineoutdoors on Facebook, and you're all over the place. So thank you for joining yeah, us. You we'll can also
2: talk. jump on uh, Nate Zelinsky on Instagram. We're going to be doing a ton of hunting content uh, on there over the next three weeks or so. So Nate Zelinsky on Instagram, will also get you bunch of hunting contact. All right, my friend. We'll talk to you next week. Talk to you soon.
1: That was Nate zelinsky Always a great, always a great, great. Uh, great contributor. Terry Wickstrom Outdoors is brought to you in part by Jack's Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan.
4: Lay, lay, lay,
1: lay. Lay big Mr. Bobby sweet. Zimmerman grew up in the same hometown, a very small town in northern Minnesota. You know him as Bob Dylan. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. Let's go right to the phones and joining us from St. St. Pete's Fly Shop is Thomas Worcester. Good morning.
4: Morning. How are you?
1: I'm doing well. It's a little warm, but it's a great day to get up in
4: the canyon, isn't it? Oh, yeah, absolutely. We're already seeing a bunch of people going up this morning.
1: Yeah, in fact, you guys, um, I'm, we're talking, of course, about the Poudre River Canyon, and and you guys fish the Pooter. We'll talk about some other places, but you guys fish the Pooter a lot, don't you?
4: Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's our home waters, and uh, we're very happy to have it.
1: Yeah, it's great. How is it fishing right now?
4: Uh, You know, well, it's, uh, you know, that kind of August hump where uh, flows have kind of dropped and we're starting to see a a little bit more bug activity, Um, you know, focusing on terrestrials like hoppers, ants, and beetles are going to be the mainstays for those hot periods of the days, but we're still seeing great hatches of sallies, PMDs, um, all sorts of other little bugs. So, um, fishing great.
1: Lots of surface action, huh?
4: Yeah, dried, uh, double dries and, you know, dry droppers are always an option. But, you know, for me this time of the year, they're looking up.
1: Oh, and you know what, That I, I do a lot of fly fishing, but I'm not going to pretend that I'm the best fly fisherman in the world. We did it when we did TV as we traveled all over. <laughs> and I love, I love going and throwing when I can throw a hopper because if I don't quite lay my cast down as subtly as I should, it's okay, or if I make a bad, man, that hopper is usually moving around anyway, so I can get by with a few mistakes, especially if they're aggressively chasing hoppers or big dries. Do you find Uh, that true?
4: Absolutely. Yeah, and, you know, uh, with the hoppers in mind, you know, going with a a double dry, sometimes those really small little PMDs um, and Sally's aren't as easy to see, so, you know, kind of having something to key in in that area to be able to kind of cast it up there and know where that fly is at, even if you can't see it, is nice.
1: What what type of what size of uh, of second fly is your is your second dry?
4: We're looking at mostly like sixteens. So uh, you know the the PMDs you can be in the eighteens too. So yeah, sixteens and eighteens are kind of the maiden stays for those second flies. But our hoppers are anywhere from you know tens to tens to sixteens. So
1: now for somebody who's never fished the pooter before, why don't you describe the river for him, the fishery?
4: yeah so you know the pooter what's really nice about that is it's uh you know it's natural uh, wild and scenic river, so it was one of the first in Colorado um being a natural freestone, it's gonna be smaller water uh, fish are gonna be concentrated especially in the peaks of the days when the sun is hot um in those little pocket waters, but you know it's uh you know it's just attacking it kinda pull off by pull off what we're thankful for here on the pooter is not only are there tons of areas for parking. But there's hundreds of pull offs going up the pooter. So, you know, finding some untouched water isn't too hard.
1: Yeah, and it's it's so much public access. It's a great, great, great river. Um, when you're heading up the pooter, do you expect to catch mostly browns or are you seeing quite a few rainbows?
4: Uh, yeah, we've seen a good amount of rainbows. And, you know, towards the lower stretch, we're seeing a lot of cutbows this year. Um, you know, so that's a, kind of a, a hybrid between that CBW's been uh, stocking. So, you know you'll get a variety of you know kind of fish but what i personally like are the browns uh just cuz they're they're wild
3: do you
1: approach them any differently the browns and the, or the rainbows and cuts or do you throw the same presentations a lot of time those browns get up under those banks a little more
4: yeah you know it's uh you know it's, sometimes it does come down to the holding water but a lot of the times we're targeting with the same uh same techniques that we would for any other uh, any other species in the river
1: now, you guys guide on that river. Uh, how far in advance would somebody have to schedule a guide trip?
4: Uh, you know, being peak season, it, it, it does take a little bit more. But, you know, we generally say in the whole season around one to two weeks is nice. Um, you know, we can't ensure availability inside that whole week. But, you know, if you get a, a, a sudden day off, give us a call. We're uh, we're always willing to kind of make some, uh, pull some strings and make something happen.
1: Now, if I if I don't have gear, can you supply everything?
4: Absolutely, it is all included in the cost of the trip. So the only thing that's not included in the cost of the trip is just the fishing license if you don't have it, and then gratuity for the guide.
1: All right, and what type of gear do you usually provide? And what uh, and how good of a caster do I have to be?
4: Oh, we we specialize from everyone that anyone that's never even seen a fly rod to uh, you know kind of people that are very very well. Uh, equipped so it's it's not uh yeah it it's not like you can't come on the trip if you've never been and we actually uh you know like that and it's 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 a fun challenge for the guides and they've been through it many times so they're well versed
1: you know you can learn so much on one trip with a guide and, and I'm going to talk about you do some classes too here in a minute maybe take an intro class but none of it comes together till you spend time on the water with a guide. It'll, it'll accelerate your learning curve. What would take you years by yourself, you can get done in a couple of days with a guide because he's explaining it to you right on the water. But you do have classes, too. Is that right?
4: Absolutely. And kind of to touch on that, Terry, it's, it's nice to have that one-on-one personalized lesson. So, uh, you know, kind of working through some of the flaws. But, yes, we do do classes. And, you know, kind of our main ones right now are either the intro to fly fishings in the fly fishing schools. So um, one's four hours, one's eight hours. Uh, It just depends on how deep you want to dive into it. But I always recommend those fly fishing schools because it is a whole lot more learning than just being in a classroom and then going out into a field to cast. So if anyone's got questions, give the shop a call. We're more than willing to work through that sort of stuff.
1: And before I let you go, have you been seeing, what have you been hearing around the rest of the state? Do you fish any of the still water? Before we get to around the state, do you fish any of the still water up on the uh, up on the Pooter, what are some of your favorite stillwater lakes up there?
4: Uh, so, you know, kind of in our vicinity, we've got Red Feather Lakes up near Livermore, a um, couple, couple public ones up there. We've also, you know, got great distance to uh, either, you know, Wyoming or even uh, western Colorado, so going out towards steamboat and stuff like that. So um, tons of stillwater opportunities. But, you know, as far as around the st- state goes, um, we're seeing tons of tricos. Um, You know, smaller little bugs, but, man, do they come off in heaps, and you see fish key in on them like never before.
1: And so it's a great time to be out there. You know, one quick comment on still water. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of fly anglers hesitate to fish still water because they're used to, they learn on the river and the river tells them where the fish are located by the seams, and the river helps make their presentation as they drift the flyby. In still water, you've got to kind of interpret what's going on a little different, and then you have to make the bug come alive usually. So you find that people shy away from it sometimes?
4: Uh, Yeah, absolutely, and not only that fact, but it is just less interactive. You know, I, I love fishing rivers, and I love fishing lakes, but I feel like uh, fishing rivers really keeps you a little bit more engaged because it's not such a waiting game. Um, So to kind of approach a stillwater with uh, a stripping setup, so something like a little leech and a a calabatus nymph, something like that makes it a little bit more active than just staring at a bobber.
1: So if people want more information, I'm always glad to give them reports. And if they need some classes or help, tell them how they find you.
4: Absolutely. So we've got two shops in town. One's in Old Town and one is south of, uh, you know, kind of town off, off of Harmony. Uh, I'd say, you know, if you guys are looking to get in, in touch with us about guided trips, definitely call the Old Town Shop at 970-498-8968. And then as far as the South Shop goes, they do f- focus more on the classrooms, especially during the COVID situation. We've uh, we've got a pretty open classroom over there and just a little bit more breathing room, so to speak. So if you are interested in that, their number is 970 970- Three seven
1: seven three seven eight five, and a website.
4: Uh, yep, just stpets.com, dot com, and that's just s t p e t e s dot com.
1: All right, Thomas, thank you so much for joining us in that update. We'll have you on again soon.
4: Absolutely, thank you, Terry, and have fun out there.
1: You bet. That's Thomas from St. Pete's Fly Shop, where I'm going to talk more about fishing some of the streams and lakes in the mountains after we talk a little shooting with Jr. from Colorado Clays after this time out on 104.3 The Fan. Can't
4: get no
1: Looks Outdoors is brought to you in part by Jack's Outdoor Gear. If you're headed outdoors, your first stop should be one of the five Jack's Outdoor Gear locations on the Front Range. Let's go right to the phones and joining us from Colorado Clays is JR Pierce. Good morning, JR.
3: Good morning, Terry. Hey, you got me thinking about fly fishing again, bud.
1: Well, you know, it's hard enough to keep you at the Place at Colorado Clays because every time you're not there, you're on the water somewhere, and I get pictures and pictures and pictures. You know, if you pay a little attention to the business.
3: <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, Terry, I'll tell you something about uh, fly fish, and I believe my last, well, my only fly rod, I gave it to one of the local farmers, and I think he herds chickens back into the coop with it, and I'm going to leave it at that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, fly fishing wasn't your thing, you know. There's a lot of different ways to fish, and you know I love the outdoors. A lot going on in Colorado right now too, Jr. And and hunting seasons are just coming up so quickly, um, and people tend to let their hunting rifles, especially, they don't take them out till a week or two before they go to shoot. And there's something wrong. They have to scramble to get it fixed in time, or or they're they can't find the ammunition that they want to hunt with and they can't practice with it, and the rifle hits different. So much going on that you really need to be in there shooting and, and sighting in your guns now, don't you?
3: Uh, totally agree, Terry. And, you know, we talk about this before every season, and it doesn't matter if it's turkey, dove, duck, pheasant, goose, um, pistol or rifle hunting, big game, whatever. Um, Colorado Clays has every tool you need to make the make sure that you and your equipment are ready to go. And specifically, you know, we've been talking about this uh, upcoming uh, big-game seasons, particularly, and the good thing about Colorado Clays, is we have a rifle range, which is a state-of-the-art semi-outdoor NRA design. Uh, it includes 10 shooting bays, 50 and 100-yard options, multiple shooting positions, heated, light, natural light and airflow, and a video viewing system for real-time sight-in with no spotting equipment required and of course our staff Terry we talk about all the time not only are the Colorado Clay staff the friendliest most knowledgeable range safety officers in the business but they're also NRA certified rifle specific instructors and much more so the best people you could work with and you know our stuff here whether it is um, our open to the public or one of our specific sighting clinics it's not just for the hunter uh, it's also helpful for recreational and competitive shooters.
1: Oh, without question. You know, as you get close and you get to the scrambling part, which hopefully will get people out sooner, what are some of the biggest mistakes you find or the biggest problems people encounter when they come out and they haven't done it early enough?
3: Well, Terry, and I'll tell you what, uh, there's a multiple um, multitude of things that people Overlook and uh, and forget and don't do. But I'll tell you what, um, our rifle sighting clinic. I'm going to tell you what that entails, and I think this is going to pretty much cover everything we just talked about. So signing up for our clinic, uh, you'll start out with a 30-minute PowerPoint presentation on definitions and applications for everything from safety procedures in the range and in the field, which is very important. Uh, basic and specific gun functions. So. Uh, you might even learn some things about your gun that you didn't know, and this is one of the things we do run into, uh, bore sighting. So uh, the information on bore sighting, because as a part of this class, you would get a professional manual bore sight, and um, you to do that on your gun before you go to shoot, and that's very important, one of those things that needs to be done because people do waste a lot of ammo um, trying to get on paper when they could have saved that by doing a bore sight. Um, we're going to go over MOA, MIL so that's your minutes of angle and the of course um, the metric equivalent of it and what that is is going to be definitions, applications and identification of MOA and MIL for you your scope and how it will apply to your site and process and a lot of people are not aware of that either um, and it gets very simple once you understand it uh, AMO like you just said uh, most manufacturers actually have Ballistic data right on the ammo box for calculating your, your zero range and establishing your holdover at other ranges so you can sight in the quarterly. And one of those things you're talking about, Terry, is remember that many guns are much more accurate with a particular load. So don't be a try, you know, afraid to try some different ammo. But then again, always remember to do your final sight in with the ammo you'll be hunting with. And that's another one of those points that I see all the time. Uh, people try and side in with a cheap ammo, they buy a more expensive one and find out it may not work as well as a cheaper ammo. So that's an example. Um, and then there's also shooting techniques, um, whether it's uh, proper breathing curves, uh, trigger pulls, et cetera. Uh, those type of things can be really important. People don't practice them, so doing a clinic can help you get on track and ahead of the game there. And then, Terry, something you and I talk about all the time is your clothing. Um, Don't be afraid to wear the same layers of clothes at sight-in as you intend to wear in the field because adding layers can affect your gun fit, and when we're talking rifles, it's not only affecting your length of pull, but it can also change the eye relief on your scope. So these are considerations that we see all the time that uh, definitely cost people some really good opportunities. So um, just, just a few examples right there, and those are things we can condense and cover in a clinic uh, coming up pretty soon here.
1: And how do you sign up for those clinics? You go on your website.
3: Well, yeah, we can go to the website. Uh, that'll be posted soon. I can tell you right now, the very first clinic is going to be Sunday, September thirteenth. It'll be seven thirty a.m. to nine a.m. Uh, you can give us a call or go to the website. And um, during that clinic, Terry, I mean, we're going to be going down to the range. We're going to perform those manual bore sights. We're going to check your optics and your eye relief and make sure your gun's in good mechanical function. Uh, We'll begin the process with, you know, many options, whether it's sitting, standing prone, or shooting sticks. Uh, We're going to offer multiple styles of shooting rests from simple sandbags to multiple height composite and lead sleds. And uh, it's as simple as signing up. It's only sixty dollars. And if you're not having spent the time you should have this year uh, keeping things tuned up, I absolutely recommend everybody do this class.
1: What about if I'm a muzzle load muzzle loader, shooter, or hunter? Do you accommodate muzzle loaders?
3: That's actually a great question, Terry, and we get a lot of a lot of muzzle loaders. The reason Colorado Clays is such a great place for muzzle loaders, is not just the fact that we have 50 and 100-yard targets, but we also have that semi-outdoor range. So um, muzzleloaders don't cause a problem at Colorado Plays like they can at certain indoor ranges. And I will say one thing. Uh, a few of our RSOs are die diehard muzzleloaders themselves, and you can schedule a short session with one of those and learn everything they know and really get your gun dialed in. So... Uh, definitely here is a place for muzzleloaders.
1: You know, last year, um, muzzleloader bullets ended up, certain bullets ended up hard to come by. I don't know if that's been resolved this year, but that's another thing. You have to go see if you can find the bullet you want to hunt with, because they can make quite a difference. But if you can't, you better get uh, the one you're going to end up hunting with and put in some practice with it.
3: And that's right, Terry. Uh, of course, practice can make you more proficient, but Another thing that practice does is it allows you to understand the limitations of not just your equipment, but yourself. So focus on getting the shot that you can make um, and understand what that shot is. That is such an important factor when you're going out into the field.
1: Now, another season that's coming up very quickly that, in my mind, is just useless to practice for is dove season. So. (laughs)
3: <laughs> uh, I can't agree more, Terry. <laughs> uh, but
1: it's honest quick, and you know you do really need to practice for it. And it's on quick, and what a great—it's a great sport.
3: Yeah, and you know, Terry, dove hunting gets so fast and furious at times that if you have not developed the muscle memory and the techniques for your gun mounts and your sight pictures and follow-throughs, you can just fall apart. Uh, when things happen fast or aren't just where you want them to be. And that's the beauty of Colorado clays is that we have, uh, throughout our 120 acres, multiple ranges, courses, and fields that will allow you to simulate almost any situation you can imagine when dove season comes around, and there's just really no reason not to be ready because uh, we have it all right here.
1: So I could simulate me missing that dove with a clay.
3: Right. Well, they're the same size, and a miss is a miss, yeah.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Jr. if people want more information about you, where do they find you?
3: Uh, Please give us a call, 303-659-7117, or go to the website, com. Take a virtual tour of our facility. Um, You'll see how we do things, and we welcome everyone to come out and see us, Terry.
1: All right. My friend, we'll talk to you again soon.
3: All right. Thank you.
1: You've had J.R. Pierce. Also, talk fishing when you go out there with them. Hey, we'll take a quick time out, and I'm going to talk some fishing right here on Terry Wixom Outdoors, presented in part by Jack's Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. I know, I never knew. Take it to the limit. Great all-time eagle song. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors and 104.3 The Fan. I want to talk to you a little bit about the fishing, right? And we talked a lot of hunting today. We talked some fly fishing and a little bit of fishing with Nate. But this time of the year, you really have to understand where you're fishing. Like right now, there's a ton of bait fish on lakes like Cherry Creek, there's Chatfield, not to the same extent, but it's getting there. Uh, You could go up to Glendo up in Wyoming or out on the Eastern Plains Lake if you still have access. The water tends to be dropping, which adds another element to what you do up there. Boyd, and that abundance of bait fish and falling water this time of the year can really reposition the fish. So if you're going to go out there, make sure you understand the lake. Do some homework of people or shops or you know, stop by Jack's fishing department or one of them and talk to them because the way you need to approach it is going to change. And a lot of times this time of the year, it's a trolling bite. Now, a lot of times this time of the year, I want to head up in the mountains. It's a little bit cooler, uh, and I can fish different types of techniques. Uh, The pike right now are on fire in the high country. Uh, Nate says they're using buzz baits and spinner baits at places like Spinney and Williams Fork. and all the stagecoach, all the lakes across the state that have pike, I can tell you uh, during a period of this time of the year, a few years back, I went up to uh, Spinning Mountain with just some buzz spinner uh, spinnerbaits rather, the bass-style spinnerbaits, and I caught three fish that were all over 36 inches, one of them approaching 40, just in one afternoon. So the pike bite, it, you can catch the fish of a lifetime right now, and there's a lot of ways to fish for them. But another thing that I like to do this time of the year is get up to the high mountain lakes. Some of them you have to hike up to, but some of them are fairly accessible right from the road. Like Joe Wright's on fire for the Grayling right now. Uh, Chambers Lake, I haven't heard a report, but I'll bet the trout fishing's good. There's the hike up lakes that you can go like Zimmerman and Agnes get away from the crowds, get in a little exercise, cool. There's the rivers where you can approach all of these with either a fly rod or a conventional rod. Now, for you conventional anglers, I've done, I did a um, TV show on Joe Wright, Fishing from Shore with a Fly in a Bubble, and that's on my YouTube channel, The Best of Fishing with Terry Wickstrom, and you'll see us just catch one grayling after another. It's just a fun, fun experience that anybody can do and experience. It's really easy to do. I did another one on Lost Lake, which is up by Chambers, where you have to walk in a block or two. You could roll a kayak in there. I took a float tube in. And, uh, and by the way, you could use a kayak at Joe Wright, too. It would be a great way to fish it. But I took a float tube in and used both fly rod and conventional rod and actually caught a whole bunch of trout using just some spinners and some little jigs on a conventional rod. And You could have done a lot of that from shore. You can hike up the Zimmerman. You know, the Poudre River. A lot of the stretches are flies and lures only, but that doesn't mean you can't take a little spinner, a little unscented soft plastic bait, and really, really do well. So those are some things to be trying now. Um, Those trout, as the water's cooling, again, up in the mountains as we could get colder nights, those trout are getting more active. They're moving closer to shore on the lakes. They're feeding a lot of bug activity. So it's a great time to get up there. And then as we get close to fall, you're gonna see the bait fish up down the front range start to school up, and you're gonna see another activity of spooning and using like uh jigging raplas or Johnny Darters, those those uh uh glide baits is really gonna come into its own for walleyes, white bass, uh, smallmouth bass. And we're gonna see a lot of that activity. You're gonna see the largemouth bass moving out. So the key right now is I would say head to the mountains, get up there. Fish some of those lakes and just enjoy the cooler weather during these hot times. And go look at our, um, our YouTube channel, Best of Fishing with Terry Wickstrom, and you'll get a lot of tips. Also, follow us on Facebook because every time we post a new video, we, we put it on Facebook. We put my articles from the Denver Post on Facebook. We put podcasts from this show on Facebook. And we also put answers to trivia questions on our Facebook page, The Best of Fishing with Terry Wickstrom. And speaking of trivia, our all-time trivia champion on, the, on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors is probably in the studio now, Mr. Dan Jacobs. Are you there? I'm here, sir. How are you? I'm doing great, although you're really not eligible to win, you know. Uh, of course not. What? <laughs> I'm the master <laughs> at, the, the,
0: t- at the outdoor trivia. Why would I be eligible to win?
1: Yeah, well, you do get the answer right quite a bit. I'll have to give you credit for that. Yes, sir. Mark this on the calendar, Kyle. I was nice to Dan today. Yeah. Hey, I
0: have a question for you. All right. So I'm out. I live out on the Aurora, Kansas border. I'm out. Yeah. I'm out walking. You know, sometimes in the morning, I go out and walk. I I kind of you know I got my headphones in. I'm just kind of you know plowing down with my head down. I I look up. I'm less than six feet away from a deer just sitting there munching on grass isn't that is that unusual
1: well you're probably in an area where there isn't a lot of hunting right correct so if you get in areas where they don't get um hunted and they, they they get very accustomed to people and it's not unusual to get fairly close unfortunately some people even feed them apples and things and they'll look for that which really can change their habitat and be detrimental to them. It's not unusual, but I'm going to give you a tip to take the headphones off and enjoy nature, because when you're walking those trails, you're not only going to see and hear lots of incredible things like the deer and like, but you also could run into coyotes and rattlesnakes and things, and you really need to be kind of aware of your surroundings.
0: Yeah, we do have coyotes out there as well, and they are actually getting a little... uh... It's getting worrisome. It used to be they would run off in the morning once everybody started walking. They're getting more and more courageous around humans, so I do have a little bit of concern about that.
1: Yeah, and you need to haze them whenever you can. Make a lot of noise, yell at them, throw a rock or a stick at them. We need to make them uncomfortable with people because they're getting too comfortable. Now, speaking of comfortable, how comfortable are you with the current state of the Broncos offensive line?
0: Well, luckily for me, unlike a lot of people in the you know kind of you know blind side, you know blind uh, suck up Broncos media, I already had calculated Juwan James not being a part of the mix uh, when I did my evaluation for the team, and I already and, and I stand by. I think they're a nine or ten win team, and they're a playoff team. If they don't make it to the playoffs, barring something you know happening with COVID or injuries, then there's a big time problem, and some people are going to have to answer.
1: Yeah, it's. Uh, I, I think that hopefully the two guys that are playing tackle will be better, and they've got some great help in the interior line, and the mobility that um, our young quarterback has should Drew Lock should uh, should help the the offensive line. Where in the beginning of the year last year we had a statue back there, and he was a standing target. So I think that'll help too. You mean
0: our uh, Super Bowl winning MVP quarterback that was just now entering his prime? That guy?
1: Yeah. Yeah, Joe Flacco. Yes. Yeah, that's the guy. Mm-hmm. The guy that they couldn't forget that he beat us. Right. <laughs> All right, my friend. I'm going to close out the show, and we'll let you get to some sports. All right, thanks. We're going to close out. Uh, we're going to close out Terry Wickstrom outdoors. Remember, I said follow us on Facebook. That's how you know what's going on in the show, whether it's trivia, podcasts, articles, reports. Terry Wicks from Outdoor on Facebook, and go to our YouTube channel. If you want to get outdoors fishing, about half the shows, there's like 150 episodes on YouTube right now. About half of them were filmed right here in your backyard. There's everything from trolling for walleyes to throwing a fly in a bubble for grayling and everything in between. So go figure out where you want to go and how you want to do it. I'll bet you we have a video up there to help you. Join us every, every Saturday right here from 9 to 11. I want to thank Kyle for keeping us on the air and keeping us going with this remote COVID situation. And thank Karen for making sure that I keep going and keeps me online and gets me out of bed in time. So And thank all of you for listening. We'll let the Eagles take us to the top of the hour and sports with Dan Jacobs on 104.3 The Fan.
3: Distance, I saw